What's up everybody, it's Dan, Finder Boneyard, coming at you from the office. Uh, it is a overcasty gray day here in Central Oregon. Um, still trying to figure out what's up with the weather because normally by now it is 70 and sunny and it is about 52 and sunny or 52 and overcast I mean. Anyway, um, thanks for joining in, appreciate you following along. Uh, you know, I don't charge anything for these, so the only thing I ask is you tell your friends. Tell people you know. Um, you know, spread the word on the internet that there is an all-IH podcast out there. Uh, and, you know, if you feel so inclined, you can donate on Patreon if you head over there. Uh, or you can buy stuff from our store. <clears throat> you know, we do have online part sales. Uh, so, I had a guy call the other day and ask me if we sold parts because uh, he thought all I was was an Instagram page and uh, yeah I'm not sure how he missed the part about us selling parts but uh, but yeah we sell parts along with restoration and all the other social media stuff um, so today we are going to go over over Diesels, and I am the first to admit that I am not a diesel expert. Uh, I don't know all of the various ins and outs of every make and model, um, or every you know, whatevers of of everything. Um, but what I can give you is a general overview <clears throat> and a rough outline of what to expect in an international and um, you know those sorts of things so we'll just jump right in here um, diesels were invented back in the 1800s um, diesels do not use spark plugs and a lot of people know that already but anyway they produce combustion through extreme pressure so, you know, when you compress air and compress fuel to a tiny space, uh, it creates heat. And then in that heat, it gets to a certain point where it explodes. And that's why diesels have that, you know, knocky sound is that it's not ignition happening through a spark. It is ignition happening through um, compression. So that's why diesels have really high compression ratios. So um, what happens is the diesels, they have to be injected because it's the only way that you can get fuel into a cylinder that is under pressure. Um, there's various models like the old Ford, or inter they're international engines, but they were used in the Fords, you know, the 6.9 and the 7.3. Uh, not power strokes, but pre-power strokes. A lot of people refer to them as IDI, which stands for indirect injection. So the fuel actually gets shot into like a pre-chamber uh, that's not quite in the cylinder, and then through the 
through the cycle strokes, then it gets drawn into the cylinder and and fired off that way. Um, it's not as efficient, in my opinion, as a direct injection like a um, you know like a power stroke would be. I think power strokes are direct injected. See, that's where I, I start losing my losing my uh, grasp on it when you start getting into the electronic stuff because because the power strokes 94 and a half I think is when the power stroke came in so 95 and up you know they're electronic they have cam position sensor they have injector driver modules um, you know a few other things like that that uh, control them which is part of why they make decent power in my opinion um, is because they have a variable they can control themselves a little bit um, a little bit more efficiently than just a standard uh, mechanical diesel which we'll go backwards here in a second but on uh, older diesels uh, six cylinders things like that the fuel is directly injected right into the cylinder and but that's because under it has to be injected because of the pressure of the combustion process, the high compression. So it has to overcome the compression force of the cylinder to squirt the fuel in there. And so um, that's why diesels are are um, you know they have injection pumps and injectors and things like that. Um, and there were some crazy attempts at stuff over the years. Um, you know, early international tractors and crawlers had, they did this, it was a V8, but half of the engine, one bank was gas, and the other bank was diesel. And because in the old days, they hadn't figured out how to get diesels to run when they're cold. Uh, that's probably the biggest Achilles heel of a diesel engine is outside temperature. Because it's relying on the pressure of the cylinder for combustion, if it's really cold, if the fuel's cold, if the cylinder head is cold, if everything is cold, even under that immense pressure of the cylinder, it won't ignite and that's why when you see a diesel start cold and you know it'll chug you know black smoke which is unburnt diesel uh, until it warms up a couple of combustion cycles and then it warms up and the, and the smoke goes away um, so that's why modern diesels have glow plugs to warm the combustion chamber or they have a grid heater that warms the fuel up uh, or the air the air and the fuel up before it gets injected into the cylinder um, larger industrial diesels have neither and they use um, either a block heater which goes in the water jacket uh, you take a freeze plug out and you put your block heater in where the freeze plug was and what that does is it heats the water up in the engine to 
120 degrees or something like that. And so now the engine is warm, almost up to operating temperature, and so they start. Um, that is not a cure-all for extreme cold temperatures. Um, you start getting below, I don't know, I'd probably say five below. Um, even a block heater will struggle to start some of the larger diesel engines. Um, so they require a lot of cranking, good batteries, and you know you got to turn them over fairly quickly for them to to fire off. Um, so if we back up to the old diesels before they figured out how to start them, <clears throat> they used to run like International would run this weird V8 that had four cylinders on gas, and you would start it on gas because gas will start you know down to pretty cold temperatures also it's not impervious to cold weather either um, but carburetors can be tuned and the chokes and all that stuff to fire when it's cold but uh, you they would get it going on gas and that one bank would run and so while it was running it was working the cylinders on the other side but the the cylinders were open um, so that the compression of the diesel wouldn't kill the gas side. And then once it got warm, then you introduce the diesel side and uh, it would start popping off on diesel and you could kill the gas side. I personally have only seen these... Um, in like junkyards and, and scrap scrap tractors. I've not seen one operate myself. I am going off of what has been described to me by old timers and other things like that. So um, I'm not sure if someone would make that story up, but you know, um, I'm sure someone will let me know if I'm full of crap or not. Uh, some of the things you see in caterpillars, cats, um, my uncle restores cats, so I've seen a fair amount of these things, is what's called a pony motor. And a pony motor is a usually two-cylinder um, gas motor that's bolted to the side of a diesel engine, usually a pretty large diesel, and it is the starter for the diesel. So what it would do is, you know, you'd get the pony motor going, get it warmed up and then you would engage the flywheel and the pony motor would just turn the diesel over and get it moving, get the cylinders moving, get fuel moving and then if you know then it would pop off uh, that way because it, back then they didn't have electric starters that would turn the motor fast enough to fire it um, and then the other thing that you'll you'll see a lot of in the old days is starting fluid or ether and a lot of the international tractors and even semi trucks I've seen with this feature they have an ether can mounted under the hood that's in the intake system so then when you went to cold start it you would pull a lever or push a button which then would squirt ether into the air intake 
and then you'd start it and it would fire the ether is so combustible that even when it's cold it'll fire and that's was the initial f startup for the cold diesels with no glow plugs and no block heater the problem with ether is that it's sort of abrasive to the cylinders and uh, it sounds ridiculous when you say it, but some of the engines get dependent on ether. And, uh, you know, my 6.9 that's in my Camo Ford, my 80, uh, 88 Camo Ford, it is ether dependent. Um, which I don't understand how that happens. I don't know if it did some damage or what, but uh, unless that engine is at operating temperature and warm, you know, just shut down, it really has a hard time starting again without giving her a whiff of starting fluid. It wasn't until later that they got electric starters that would turn over the motors fast enough and they could power the compression because they, they are very high compression. Um, so the pony motor was just a way of um, solving that problem, but the ether uh, ether was a uh, you know your best friend when it was cold or or trying to get them started. Um, but even when they're if they're wore out, if they got you know sloppy rings and they're burning oil and compression is lower, even starting fluid won't start them sometimes. Um, so. You know, it just depends. Um, just depends on the condition of the engine. But yeah, the ether starting fluid was uh, was super common back in the day. Um, so then you move up. Um, diesel technology kind of, I mean, they just kind of refined it and refined it with the style of injection pumps and the filtering system because diesel fuel has to be fil filtered down real clean because the injector uh, nozzles are so fine they make a super fine mist uh, it's not a squirt you know like a accelerator pump on a carburetor it's a mist pretty much and diesel is just thin oil you know I mean that's why mechanical diesels can run on engine oil or ATF or a mixture of vegetable oil uh, or whatever. I mean, the very first diesel was that was invented ran on peanut oil. So, you know, it, there's the opportunity for a diesel engine to be a renewable, to run on renewable resources is very high. <clears throat> and part of why I don't understand this whole push for electrics when diesels can be run on straight vegetable oil, um, you know, it's uh, I think there's less resources that go into making biodiesel, but I'm not an engineer uh, and I'm also not a politician, so I don't know what the the reasoning behind behind it is. But anyway, um, the thing about diesels is that they make an immense amount of torque. Uh, they have a very long stroke and you know low RPM. Um, which makes for high torque, like these old, um, you know, steel wheel steam tractors, they would only make 25 horsepower, but they would make, you know, 
20 or 2,000 uh, 2, foot-pounds of torque and that's what moves the that's what gets the work done horsepower is great but torque is what moves the moves the ground so um, that's why you're seeing like brand new I think this year's new diesel Dodges they're like 400 horsepower 450 horsepower but they're 1100 foot-pounds of torque whereas if you had a LS engine you know a 6 liter LS that made 400 horsepower it would only make 500 foot-pounds of torque um, so you know it's a different different kind of animal um, so anyway we move up through the years I touched on the uh, the IDI V8 diesels that were in the Ford pickups and uh, you know internationals medium duty trucks. They put the same six nine that they put in the pickups. They put in school buses, um, which is what international, <laughs> you know. I mean, they were putting three hundred four gas engines and dump trucks and school buses back in the sixties. So uh, you know, for them to put the six nine into a school bus and a pickup. And a Ford pickup now, or you know, in the 80s, does no surprise to me. Um, but while all that was going on, International had uh, a real, real reliable powerhouse engine that, um, you know, I would argue is one of the best medium-duty engines ever made. Uh, I'm sure some cat guys will fight me on that, but the DT 466 is probably um, pound for pound one of the best engines made um, and I like I said I'm sure someone will tell me I'm wrong and they'll fight me over it um, but just given its longevity the way that it's designed um, the horsepower and torque ratings um, there's a reason that that 466 came in everything tractors combines graders medium-duty trucks you know all kinds of industrial applications the 466 was just uh, just a great engine and you know of course over the years it got modified and um, you know different injection pumps injectors different horsepower ratings and um, and you know intercooler non-intercooled that whole thing, um, and an international ran that engine for a long time, and there were a lot of people that wanted to know why they didn't put um, the 466 into the pickups, and it's just because it's huge. It's a massive engine. Um, the RPM range is narrow. Uh, it's good for medium-duty trucks that have several gears, um, you know, that kind of thing pickups and light trucks they're not made for for that kind of rpm range uh so they did make a smaller version uh the dt360 which is in like what i have in my black truck uh that was also put in school buses and other light uh i call them light duty medium duty trucks because um, the 466 was kind of the king but the 360 came in to take up where maybe they didn't want the 6.9 or 7.3 IDI 
but they also didn't want the mass 466. So the 360 was in there, uh, and I want to say they made that from like 86 to 93 or something. I think that's the year range, which, you know, they were filling that void because the 466 came out in the early to mid 70s. And they ran the 466 all the way up until, well, it went electronic in 95. Uh, and then they kept the electronic version up until like 2001 or so before the Max Force BS came out. But um, yeah, I mean, they, they kept that, that basic platform for a long time in the 466. But um the 360 was seven inches shorter than a 466 and weighed about 300 pounds less. Uh, made the same horsepower, uh, 190 horse, which is what the 466's baseline horsepower was. Um, but it was lower torque. Uh, so, but it fit. It just fit better in into other applications, and that's why you see guys are putting them in pickups now. There's a lot of guys with them in Ford pickups. Um, you know, we're going to do another conversion into an international pickup with our, with another one. So yeah, they are, um, just a better light engine. I still wish that Ford would have considered it for the super duties instead of the seven, three power stroke. But again, you know, electronics and, and fuel efficiency and, um, standards, EPA standards, we're, we're going to push them away from that mechanical diesel. That's why the electronic stuff took over. And you saw the same thing with Cummins in the Dodges. You know, 95, 94, 95, you know, the Cummins has got electronic, um, started to get electronic. It wasn't until, what, 98 that they got the electronic injection pump, the VP44 that was prone to fail constantly. Um, but anyway... We're going to talk about internationals. So um, we'll jump backwards now again, because I brought us up into the 80s, to 1976. International was trying to make a fuel-efficient Scout. The fuel crunch was on. No one was buying Scouts, or I shouldn't say no one. But Scouts weren't as popular because they had V8s uh, that, you know, were traditionally gas guzzlers and the four cylinder the 196 that they offered just wasn't a powerhouse and then they had the six cylinder options they had the AMC's the, the 258's that they came in the in the early scouts uh, which sold a fair amount there's a lot of AMC powered scouts out there which is one of my favorites actually but by 76 they needed something else and so they came out with they had developed the SD33 which is a Nissan diesel and Nissan diesels were great in forklifts and equipment and boats but they're not great in automotive applications uh, it's 3.3 liter. It was like a, like 96 horsepower or something. It was non-turbo. 
That's the difference there is that 76 to 79 were non-turbo, naturally aspirated, meaning they just breathe in atmospheric air with the uh, injected squirt of fuel. So they didn't make much power. They were noisy, but they got like 26 miles to the gallon. So that was your trade-off. Uh, you were very slow and a road hazard, but you got good mileage. But so many people complained and they didn't like it. And International was suffering from people just trash talking them all the time. That in 1980, they came out with the turbo diesel, which was the SD. But they just added a turbocharger and all the associated things that need to go with that. Because you can't just bolt a turbo onto a diesel and be done um, at least not to have it live long term there's different rods there's oiling ports and passages cooling there's little jets on the crank that shoot oil to the piston skirts to help keep them cool uh, all the things that the non-turbos um, don't have that brought the horsepower rating up to a whopping like 111 or something it was disappointing um maybe like 118 i can't remember exactly but it was low considering a 304 powered scout was like 140 horse and even with all the emission stuff stuck to it it still was 140 horse so you know they i understand the effort but it really they should have done a little bit more focus group research before they brought that guy out. Because, again, I mean, they sold a ton of them. Because that's what the most of the 1980 line was diesel. Uh, and I don't know if it was to use up what they, ha <clears throat> what they had or what. But majority of the 1980 Scouts were diesels. Um, so... Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just America wasn't ready for a diesel-powered car. They, I mean, yeah, Volkswagen had the Rabbit. Uh, that whatever. That's a different animal altogether. But diesels just require more maintenance. They they hold more oil. They have bigger filters. Oil changes cost more. The filtering for the fuel is more important. You cannot have any moisture in the fuel whatsoever. So you need to check, change your water filter, change the filters often, which a lot of people are terrible about maintenance and these things would just fall apart. Um, and then they had their own problems. It, these Nissan engines weren't made for the highway. They weren't made for constant throttle model, modulation and, and EGT temperatures and all that stuff. And so they notoriously would crack pistons around the 160,000 mark and uh, the only time they really would survive past that was if they were just absolutely babied you know never driven hard never towed you know open highway miles you know not much city driving or if it was city driving it was very light those are the only ones that you ever see that get over that 160 170 mark most of the time they fall apart before that. Um, and that's why we've done so many diesel conversions um, out of those out of those rigs. But 
Um, we'll jump back a little bit farther to another oddity that I didn't want to forget. Um, in 66 to 68, International offered a C-Series pickup with the Combine D301, which was a non-turbo direct injection, uh, I believe it's direct injected, uh, 301 cubic inch diesel engine which is the same diesel that came in a lot of the combines and tractors. And their um, rationale behind that was to sell it to farmers that already had these power plants in their equipment. So then they could minimize filter, um, filter confusion and the maintenance costs of everything would go down. Um, they could have, you know, just diesel tank on the farm instead of having to have diesel and gas and, uh, you know, and it was only, they were pretty low horsepower too. I want to say it was right around 100 horse. So it was only available in half tons, if if I remember right. Um, there's a few of them floating around. I believe they only made about 500 of them. And there's, there's a couple around. I got a guy trying to shop one to me right now that's rough. But, uh, yeah, you know, they, they were an, an experiment in that. And, uh, and I think they're neat. I like where their head was at, but, you know, it required chassis modifications. They're a very tall engine, so there's just not a lot of room under them, um, I think, which is another reason why they're two-wheel drive. I don't think there was ever one in a four-wheel drive either. Um, but yeah, that was their early attempt. And again, I think they discovered that America wasn't ready for a diesel pickup at the time. Um, and then, oh, conversions. Um, through this, through the D-Series model, 69 to 75, occasionally you will see one with a Perkins diesel, a 354 Perkins, or Detroit, like a 354 uh, yeah, three, three or three fifty. Uh, I don't remember my diesel numbers. I think it's three fifty one. I know it's a three V five something. Um, and I'm sure guys are just yelling at their radios right now. But um, those were, the, especially the Perkins ones. They were not done by the factory, but they were done by dealers to. Um, like factory specifications and there are bell housing adapters made for those setups uh, I have one here that's Perkins to Ford um, and I will probably use that for something in the future because I do have the 354 Perkins um, and uh, we'll probably at some point rebuild that and, uh, that was a diesel pickup option that they had uh, that dealers would push. I know Rick Riley there, and I think he's in Ohio, has several of the Detroit-powered um, D-series and a couple of C-series. They were all done by professional conversion shops back in the day. Uh, and, and they would. They would go right from the dealership right to the conversion shop, get the, the operation done, and then the dealer would sell them right off of the showroom floor with this conversion. And so that's why you get a lot of confusion where people say it was a factory setup. And as far as I know, and I've talked to a few guys about it, they they aren't um, 
factory. They were dealer, dealer farmed out uh, on with IH's blessing. So, anyway, um, I think I covered everything I wanted to cover. I'm sure I jumped around a lot, and it was probably confusing. But yeah, you know, hopefully you learned something, and uh, yeah, just some neat IH diesel history. But anyway. Um, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, until next time, I'm Dan Binder Boneyard.